Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our evening broadcast. We are so excited to have you join us. If this is your first time with us, we welcome you especially. This is the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church, and this is our Thursday evening broadcast. And tonight, it is not premiered, it is live. And so I'm excited to be with you. I thank my co-host, Sister Erica, who's in the background, making sure all the technical things are working, and they seem to be. And uh, so I'm very excited to be with you. If this is your first time with us, let me uh, mention to you that you can learn more about us at our website, newarkupc.info. Obviously, you may have found our YouTube channel or our Facebook page, and we welcome you there. Those are the two places that we do simulcast our nightly broadcast, Tuesday through Sunday. But if you want to learn about the rest of what we do, for instance, our small groups or our children's programs that we do online every Sunday or any of the other many, many things such as prayer requests, or you might even want to partner with us in giving, all of that you can find on our website. Again, newarkupc.info. And uh, we're excited and very happy to have you and to all the rest of you who this is your normal routine, seven o'clock every night, Tuesday through Sunday, you log on, here you are, well, welcome back. And I'm excited to be with you and glad to be joining you in the broadcast tonight. So this week we have been kind of launching a series that you will see this topic show up throughout our broadcast for the next several months, not as a weekly theme, but as just uh, standalone lessons within the week. And this is truths Christians need to understand. And so there's a lot of different kind of standalone lessons that we're going to be bringing to you. And uh, I have one of those for you tonight. So again, we're going to be looking at this week is this theme all the way through uh, Saturday is truths Christians need to understand. But then in the future, we'll be using different ones of these at a various point. And the way you'll know is we'll tell you that. We'll say, well, tonight we're not bringing you a theme, but we're talking to you about another truth that Christians need to understand. And the key point to this is, is there is truth in this world. I'm glad that there is truth. I'm glad that we can know truth. But the important point is that as we serve Christ, as we are his disciples, there are truths that in order for us to be his disciples and in order for us to trust him and, and to live the way he's called us to, we need to, through our understanding of the scriptures, through our study, and also through his work within our lives in his spirit, we need to come to a place to not just know, but actually understand these truths. Now, please let me submit to you that even our understanding has limitations. So when I use the word understand here, I don't mean that you can fully explain it or that there's not the necessity of faith. In fact, scripture tells us that without faith, we cannot please God. It requires us to believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And faith is what we hope for. Faith is knowing something that does not yet exist. So I'm not taking faith out of the picture, but there is something about studying to show yourself approved, rightly dividing or understanding the word of truth. And so it's important for us to understand. So tonight I'm going to bring you one of those truths. And so I welcome you all. Before I go into that, though, I would ask you that it, you would lift up uh, the Shaw family in special prayer. You may have heard through our prayer chain, but if you did not, that Bill has passed away this week. 
And uh, though he did contract COVID, it was not due to COVID that he passed, but in fact, his family informed us it was due to kidney failure. And so we are praying for Sister Pat and for Mike and for Trish and for the grandkids and, and just the whole family that God would comfort. This is such a tough season and uh, we, are, we are praying for their comfort. And so if you would lift them up in prayer, um, in your prayer walk over this next week and so, uh, I would very much appreciate that. I happen to, this is one of the families I grew up with. Mike and I were boyhood friends and uh, we had some good times and probably got into some trouble too, but I'm, I'm choosing to forget about that. Um, but I'm asking you to pray that God will comfort Sister Pat and, and their children, Mike and Trish and, and the entire family. All right, I'm gonna start with scripture. So uh, some of the other speakers this week have told you what they were gonna talk about. Tonight, I wanna start with scriptures and then I'll, I'll introduce the topic to you. So the first scripture that I wanna draw your attention to is Genesis chapter two. And uh, Genesis chapter two, verses 15 through 17. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if you're looking for a particular translation to follow along. And the scripture says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. All right. So this is the introduction of God introducing, and I want to name it, a concept called free will. He created this human and ultimately would create a female human as well, placed them in a beautiful garden, gave them everything that they would need, and then said, I'm giving you a choice. I'm giving you a direction. But I'm giving you the ability to disobey it. And the reason that I know that he gave us the ability to disobey it is because chapter 3, verse 6 tells us that the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom she thought it would give her. And so she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. So we know from Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, that God did not just give an order and they had no choice. No, they had a choice because they actually made the wrong choice. And you and I today live in a broken world that is full of sin. We ourselves are broken, and it all traces back to this exercise of free will, the ability to choose what you're going to do, and that choice has, it has impact. And that first man and that first woman together, they chose to disobey God. And the results is that we ate of the fruit, we disobeyed God, and it introduced sin. All right, so that's Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3. Now I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 basically says that salvation comes through God when we believe him, when we exercise our faith, 
And we don't get to take credit for it because while we believe, and we all know that belief requires action, because faith without works is dead. That's a whole other lesson in truth to understand, but I'm going to assume you understand that tonight, that you can't just say something. You've got to back it with action. That even though those actions, you can't take credit because salvation is a gift from God, it is not a reward for the things that we have done. We can't boast about it. Rather, this is God's gift to us. We are his masterpiece. So salvation is the work of God and not something we can take credit for. And then the final passage of scripture is Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Now, some of you may be going, what are you doing? Some of you know exactly where I just went. But for those of you that don't, let me read to you this very short verse. It simply says, you must not murder. You must not murder. What are you doing, Steve? Well, let me lay out a few things tonight. So first of all is I want to submit to you a truth that you as a Christian need to understand is that God saves us and we do not save ourselves. God saves us and we do not save ourselves. Now, that's pretty plain by Ephesians, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 makes that pretty clear. And I think Genesis chapter 2 and 3 kind of sets us up to understand why we even need salvation. Some might say, well, I don't need salvation. Well, you do, because you're broken. You're not operating the way God originally designed us to be. And this is why there's evil in the world. This is why there are problems that happen. This is why we do things we don't want to do. And, and we try to do good and, and find ourselves unable to do so. And so this brokenness within the world, it's not just politicians that have trouble keeping their word. No, no, no. The reason politicians have a problem keeping their word is because every politician is a human. <laughs> every leader is a human. Every person you want to put your faith and your trust in, the reason you can't fully do so is because they, like you, are a human, and humans are currently broken. We need saved. We need fixed, all right? And the reason is, is because we were born in sin. We were, as the psalmist said, shapen in iniquity. There's brokenness throughout our world. The created world is broken, and as a result, we are born into it broken. From the moment we exit our mother's womb, even as we are being formed in our mother's womb, and that's where sickness comes from. That's where all kinds of problems come from. But even if none of that seems to address us immediately, as life moves along, guess what happens? We will find ourselves exhibiting the characteristics of brokenness and of sin. And this is why we need salvation. And then Ephesians, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, makes very clear, God's the one who saves you. You can't save yourself. Even the actions you take as you participate in salvation, they do not save you. It is a gift of God. It is his work. It is his masterpiece, not ours. Now, here's the challenge. As we already saw in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, when God created a perfect world with perfect humans, he gave them free will. He gave them choice. 
And the reason we now need salvation, the reason our world is now broken is because they exercised that choice and they did it in a manner that was disobedient to God. So guess what? When it comes to God saving us and we not saving ourselves, scripture is very clear that God did not take away free will. Oh, as a pastor, I wish he had. I wish I could go into the world and I could find people. I could convince them of what is going on within their lives and that they need Jesus. And I could get them to an altar. I could get them to choose his salvation through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. And they would submit to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the moment that happened, I would have a key that I could plug in somewhere and turn it. And from that moment on, they lost their free will. They no longer had choice because they've chosen God and now we'll lock them in. But that's not how it works. And so there's a corollary, if you will, to this truth that God saves us and we don't save ourselves. And that is, even while God is the one who saves us and we do not save ourselves, we still have choice over whether we are to be saved. It's not a one-time choice. It is an ongoing choice that we have. We're not once saved, always saved. It's not that moment that I just described for you that I would prefer, that I could get somebody to choose Christ and to repent and to be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit and then turn the key, lock them in. They can't go anywhere. Oh, I would love to do it, but I've never figured out how to do it. Because this God created us in his image and after his likeness, and I would submit to you, scripture makes plain that that includes our ability to both choose him and reject him. It includes our ability to both be obedient to him and to be disobedient to him. And so it's an ongoing process. Yes, God saves us and we do not save ourselves. Yet we participate in such a manner that we can choose whether to allow that salvation God offers us to save us or whether we turn from it to our own damnation. And so these two things sit together. And the result of this is that there's two little principles that I want you to get a hold of. And they're, they're two sides of the same coin but they're very challenging for Christians. And I, I'm going to try to help us grapple with this because part of understanding that God saves you and you don't, and yet you have the ability to reject his salvation. In order to understand that and understand the ramifications of that and thereby make choices based upon our understanding of that truth, we have to get rid of some poor theology, some bad theology that affects a lot of areas of our lives. So number one, we have to understand that the Bible paints a picture in which we humans who are being saved by God participate in the process of salvation. We are not simply robots. We have free will, we have choice, and we have the ability to participate in that process but we do not control the process. That's why we can't take credit for the salvation. That's why even though we participate, our participation in and of itself does not save us. 
And this is why those of you that have heard me before, I've made some scandalous remarks. Some of you have scrunched your eyebrows up together and tried to understand because I've said to you, you're not saved by repentance, even though you need to repent in order to be saved. You're not saved by baptism, even though you must be baptized in the name of Jesus in order for God to bring you into a new life. You are not saved by the infilling of the Holy Spirit, even though that is his good pleasure and it is the process whereby he brings you to salvation. You are saved by God through his grace. It's a gift. Your participation is essential, but it is not sufficient. What you do does not save you. What God does saves you. So while we participate, we do not control. And I would submit to you that this is true of much more than just salvation. This is true of our walk with Christ. Now, let me introduce you to a second thing. The second is, is that while God controls, God has the capacity, he has the authority to control everything. He has, through free will, given us the ability to affect the outcome. Oh, I hate this principle. I hate this truth, and yet it's still reality. I can affect for good or for bad the outcome of what God intends. God intended for the man and the woman to live in that garden forever. God intended for that man and woman to be cared for in the Garden of Eden and to live a beautiful life, free of worry, free of brokenness. But their choices affected the outcome. And these two truths have to be held in tension. God is in control, yet he has submitted what he can make happen to our choice. On the other hand, we participate, and our participation affects the outcome, and yet we are not ultimately in control. Many Christians, when it comes to salvation, go to one of these two extremes. So you have Christians who would say, God has such control that he determines whether you're saved or not. You really don't even have any say in it. And that's called predestination. The idea that you are either predestined to be saved or not. Now, here's the bad news. The Bible doesn't bear that out. The Bible, when it speaks of predestination, speaks of the will of God. In other words, what he would like to have happen. But I already know from Genesis 1 and 2 that God's will was not for a broken earth and not for bad to happen. He wanted them to live forever and to live in this beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. But he gave them free will. Therefore, they had the ability, while not in total control, they had the ability to affect or impact the outcome. And so, predestination does not work because it does not take into account the free will God gave to every single human being. On the flip side, you have humans who say, if anything good is going to happen to humanity, it is going to come totally through the efforts of humanity themselves. And while humanity's participation can impact the outcome, all of our best intentions and all of our best actions will not be sufficient to lead 
to salvation. God has given us the ability to participate. Don't get me wrong. He wants you to do good. He wants you to live well. But if you lived as best as you could, you're still going to fall short. And even if you live under the empowerment of his spirit, under the direction of his word, those deeds in and of themselves will not be sufficient. Only his grace, the unmerited favor he gives to you, his work, his masterpiece, only that will save you. You cannot be saved by anything else. While we participate, we do not control. And while he controls, we have the ability to affect. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, Brother Steve, I'm with you thus far, but why Exodus 20, verse 13? Here's why. The scripture is clear here. It's a part of the Ten Commandments, by the way, if you didn't recognize Exodus 20. This is one of the commands God gave to the people of Israel. And it's a command that says, you humans should not unlawfully take the life of another human. Now, here's where I want to deal with something. Because we humans are looking for certainty. And the reason we want certainty is one of two reasons. We either want certainty so that we are not responsible. It's God. He's the one. He's in total control. That's that predestination piece. It's There's nothing I can do. I can sit out. I don't have to participate. I don't have to take responsibility. It's God. He's in total control. Or the flip side is, is the exact opposite. We want total control. So we don't want God having any say over this. We don't want him telling us how we're going to do it. We want the complete control over what's going to happen. And that's the other side that I described for you. It's not predestination, but it all, it comes through good works. It comes through our human efforts. I'm a good person. I do good things. And we make up our own rules and how this is going to work. The problem is, is that either side of that coin Ignoring the other side, leaving the other side away, taking away that tension between the fact that while we participate, God is in control. And while God is in control, he allows us to participate. He saves us and we do not save ourselves. Yet, we have choice over whether we will allow him to save us. This reality creates for us something that we don't like because it doesn't fully explain everything. And the reason I brought Exodus 20 verse 13 in with regard to you should not murder is because one of the areas that we Christians get into is we think that once we become a Christian, our choices don't matter. Now, <laughs> some of you are going, I don't think that. Agreed. Not on everything. But on the things that scare us the most, we do. And the reason I picked the murder is because we would look at a Christian and we would say, we're not going to die until God allows us to. I got a news flash for you. God is in control, but human choices can impact the outcome. If this weren't true, then why would God instruct his people 
that they should not murder. They wouldn't be able to murder. If a human being cannot die unless God has willed it, then murder is impossible. You can't kill somebody until it's their time to die. Now, I know why that's attractive. I get it. As a Christian, I would like to be in this life physically invincible. I don't die until God says so. But the reality is, is that God is not as worried about whether I live or I die in this life. And he is willing, clearly, from Genesis chapter 2 and 3 and on into my own life and into your life, he's clearly willing to allow us to participate in what's happening. He is very aware that he's in control. He can make anything happen, but he chooses to submit that all power to our choices. Now, there are limits to that. He doesn't let us take over. He allows us to participate and participate in such a manner that it affects the outcome. Yet he is still in control enough that where he's taking this earth and where he's even taking us, he has control. But not control that overrules our free will. You and I can choose to do something against the will of God even as a Christian. Now, please understand, his word will warn us and teach us. His spirit will guard us. But in the end, we still, just like Adam and Eve, despite right instruction, despite having time with God every day, we still have the ability to choose to disobey. If one of the people of Israel murdered, unlawfully took the life of another human being, that was not God's will. That was contrary to God's will. God instructed them not to do it. And it's the exercise of that other human being's free will that went counter to God's will. And this is where this problem of that we participate in this world, but we don't control it. He controls it, and yet he allows our participation to affect it. This is the two sides of this coin that exists because of free will. So for those of you that were a little bothered when I said, I hate this truth, I hate free will, I wanna take it away. Now you understand why. Because it places us in a place where I can trust God, but I have to re recognize that God still allows other human beings to participate. The ultimate outcome as a Christian is one of hope because whether I live or I die, I am the Lord's. But I can still walk down and stand on a railroad track. And if I don't pay attention and that railroad gets a train in it, and I don't see it, and I don't get out of the way, I can die when it was not yet my time to die. The reason I'm going here is not just because we're in a season of COVID. By the way, there is much application there. That is why I ascertained very quickly that God was allowing people within the kingdom to die. And it also became clear to me that I had choices I could make both for myself, for my family, and for the church that I pastor that could affect the outcome of who died. And so I've made those choices. But it's also because we need to understand that salvation 
is available and you don't have to do enough to earn it. You don't have to get it right. It's a gift of God. Yet at the same time, your choices, your participation affects the outcome. I hate to put it this way, but if you want to be saved, only God can do it. If you want to be damned, the only person that can do that is you. I don't like that scenario, but it's kind of what I'm saying to you. You want to be saved? You can be saved. But if you insist that you do not want to be saved, you have the ability to take actions that will cost you eternal salvation. In like fashion, in this life, and by the way, none of this life matters when compared to eternity. So God's focus is about eternity. He's not as concerned about our suffering right now or or, or our inconvenience right now, or even our losses right now. I, I started this broadcast asking you to pray for comfort for the Shaw family, but God is not as bothered by death as we are. But our choices matter. Like salvation, God will care for us. His will will be done in our lives. But on the flip side, you and I can affect what happens. And a mature Christian one who is studying and growing and learning and understanding what we've been talking about tonight, understands that, yes, God is enough. God is sufficient. But we participate. We are involved. The idea that you cannot die until it is your time is simply not true. You can. If you die in Christ, you have hope unlike any other. But you still can die and it not yet be time. Those of you that have been students of mine for very long, you know that I have submitted to you many, many times that the Apostle Paul was arrested and sent to Rome prematurely because he got scared of his brothers, the Jews who were accusing him, and he invoked his right as a Roman citizen. Whether I'm right on that or not, the principle behind it is absolutely true. Because if it's not, then how could anyone be murdered? No human can die until it is their time. But you see, that by very definition negates the need to instruct his people, you must not murder. As soon as I can murder someone, my choice comes into the equation. And this is why it's so important for us to study this out and to become comfortable with understanding that God saves us and we do not save ourselves. And yet we have choice over whether we're going to be saved or not. While we participate, we do not control, he does. And while he controls, we still can impact what is happening. Now, for those of you that are saying, Brother Steve, this is a depressing lesson. Here's what I want you to carry away with you. God is not treating you like the animals. God is not treating you like the rest of the created order. He is treating you as one made in his image. 
and even in salvation, while he's the only one who can save you, that's why he came and died on a cross for you. He is looking at you and saying, will you partner with me? Will you be my fellow laborer in this? Will you allow me to allow you to be a part of this masterpiece that I'm building? And this is what is empowering about it. Because this is not God predestined it and there's nothing I can do about it, either to be damned or to be saved. And this is not, oh my goodness, I have to save myself. And there's, how, how, how am I going to do that? I'm overwhelmed. No, this is God will save you if you want to be. But he's given you the opportunity to participate. He's given you the opportunity to be a part of it. And so tonight, my challenge to you in understanding this truth that God saves us and we don't save ourselves is to remember also that while that is true and it is immutable, you cannot change it. In that salvation, God has also given you the ability to participate. And see, this affects all aspects of our lives. Not only does he tell us not to murder, he tells us not to lie or steal or cheat. But it's not just do we have control over that, but rather our choices in life can impact where God goes. And here's what's amazing. Like any good relationship, God likes us to choose. He gives us many options and then invites us to participate, to be a partner, to be a part of what he's doing. And so tonight, I want to end with that note that you as a Christian, and if you're not yet a Christian, I hope that you will read the scriptures. I hope that you will pray and ask God to reveal himself to you. I hope you'll give us a call or send us an email or a text. Let us teach you a Bible study or interact with you or answer your questions because there's nothing greater than being a Christian. It is an awesome thing to walk with God. I am God's brother. That language Paul uses in Romans, speaking of Christ, who became God, becomes a human, and he is our brother. I am his fellow laborer. I am a part of his kingdom. I am I'm a participant. And my actions, while they are not sufficient, they matter. They impact the outcome. And sometimes that's very sad because I make bad choices and I impact the outcome in a negative manner. But here's the good news. God is so in control that he can take all things and work them together for good. So even when I've made a bad choice, something good can come out of it. But again, I'm a participant. But not only does bad happen because I participate, good happens because I participate. And so tonight I invite you to participate in your own salvation, not because you're going to earn it, not because you can save yourself, but because God has invited you to walk with him but not only in salvation, but in discipleship. You have control over whether you sign on to small groups on Zoom or whether you're just too tired. You have control over whether you get on the broadcast every night. You have control over whether you let your light shine. You have the ability to affect the outcome. And so I hope that you will grasp onto this and both take heart in the fact that God is in control, but also Understand both the opportunity and the responsibility that your participation is a part of that process, whether it be salvation or whether it be how we live our lives. All right, folks, that is all I have for you tonight. I hope that you enjoyed it. 
Again, check out our website, newarkupc.info. There you can find out all the information that you need. Praise reports and prayer requests can go in there, as well as finding out the information for how to join a small group. If you've never done so, reach out to us there or even just come on. We'll greet you when you come. The schedule is on there. You can find the calendar of events under general information there. There's an order of events and you can see what's happening on any given day. We thank you for being with us tonight on this broadcast. I thank Erica, my co-host, for being there and handling all the technical stuff in the background. And to the rest of you, God bless you. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. You don't want to miss Friday Night with Friends. God bless everybody. Bye-bye.